That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 224 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels, coming from Sandusky, Ohio, and thanks for checking out the episode. I'll be sitting down in just a moment for another one of my most memorable game episodes. And this time I'll be joined by Shannon Gill from codesports.com.au to chat about his most memorable game. Now, don't forget that if you are interested in having your local footy club getting a shout-out during an upcoming episode, make sure you drop me a note via email at yankinthefootygmail.com. Shoot me a message over on Facebook, on Twitter, or on Instagram. Or you can leave me a note over my website, yankinthefooty.com. I love being able to highlight these clubs throughout the course of the season. Now, today's club of the episode are the West Preston Lakeside Roosters. And West Preston was a club that Shannon's father played for many years ago. And the club, was, the West Preston Football Club was founded in 1948, and the Reservoir Lakeside Club was founded in 1947. And they coexisted for several decades. But in 1998, when the Reservoir Lakeside Club was struggling to fill their lists, according to what I was able to find out on the website, the clubs did merge. And since the merger, they've won a total of seven different premierships. The club does play their games at J.E. Moore Park in Reservoir. And the senior side opens up their 2023 fixture on 15 April against Hurstbridge at the Ben Freelay Oval. And I wish the Roosters the absolute best of luck going forward in 2023. Now let's go ahead and jump into my chat with Shannon Gill. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another one of our most memorable game episodes. And I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by my guest today, uh, he reached out to me a couple of days ago. I've had the chance to speak to him before. Uh, the tables were turned at that time, however. But uh, my guest is a longtime sports writer. He currently works uh, for and writes for Code Sports, of which I am a proud subscriber. He also has worked for Cricket Australia as well as the AFL and is the co-creator and host of the podcast, The Greatest Season That Was. I am absolutely thrilled to welcome Shannon Gill to the podcast. Shannon, thanks for getting up this morning with me, man. Thank you, Craig. Um, as as you mentioned, we we have chatted before. I was interviewing you, so it's yes, uh, it's yes. good to have the tables turn, as you say. And and um, I think the concept of of talking about most memorable games is, is is such a great concept. So I just love what you're doing with it. I appreciate that. It just it was, you know, looking. I was looking for a way to, you know, to try to keep the game relevant. You know, not not falling the trap of not doing episodes and not getting back to it when I should be getting back to it over the the off season. I just thought this was a good way to go about doing it, and it's something I'm probably going to do next off season as well because it's just a way to keep footy fans engaged with the game they love as well. So and everyone everyone has a favorite, and yes, yeah. um, people speak so passionately about these things, and I, I just I think it's a, it's a great concept, mate. So well done, well done yeah, for and, bringing and it I, to life. And I'm, you know, and I'm just trying to figure out right now, and I haven't done the math on this yet, but the game we're going to be talking about today, you had to be extraordinarily young when this game <laughs> took place because we're going to go um, all the way back to 1990. Yeah, 1990. So I would have been nine years old. Like I um, said. <laughs> just, just turned nine. Just turned nine. Yes. That's, that's yeah, I was 
just nine. So yeah, but I, I remember it vividly, and um, I'm sure we'll I'll I'll probably go into way too much detail once we That's once okay. we get so moving on it. We're gonna we're gonna be going back to round sixteen of 1990, and we're gonna be stopping by Windy Hill for the contest between Essendon and the D's. But before we talk about it, we have to talk about how is it that you became a D's supporter? It's, a, it's an interesting one, Craig. Most most people um, would simply answer that by saying my family barracked for this club. So mm-hmm. um, I was born into it and uh, continued on. That's different for me. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So uh, indulge me for a minute and I'll explain how. Um, so my father is a is a Carlton supporter and okay. big Carlton supporter who's you know basically seen all of their premierships, been to all of their premierships that they you know in the sixties and seventies and eighties. So in theory, I probably should have been a Carlton supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in in a year Carlton won a premiership, so there's there's lots of lots of reasons why I should be a Carlton supporter, but I'm not. Um, there's a couple of reasons why. So when I was a child, um, small child, my father, who backed for Carlton, was also playing and was president of his local club, West Preston Football Club in the northern suburbs of, of Melbourne. And they wore, at the time, they wore um, Western Bulldogs colours or, or um, the, same, the same jumper that then Footscray wore. Okay. So when I was a little baby as what sometimes happens when you're at local sporting clubs, community clubs, I was given a Footscray jumper mm-hmm. or a Bulldogs jumper. So in my early years, I would wear around a Bulldogs jumper because that's what my dad wore on a Saturday afternoon right, right. playing. And, and I would, and when I would go along, I would often have that jumper on and that would be, that would be logical because that was, that was our team out mm-hmm. there in the middle. Makes complete but sense. That had no, but that had nothing to do with, the Footscray team, right, right? So what? So then, what happened was across that time, I grew a real attachment to these, and I had a couple of these jumpers, and I grew a big attachment to them. I always wanted to wear them. Apparently, I've been told as a child. And then, so at that point, I've when I'm starting to realise that there is a, a then what was called the VFL, a VFL, and all of that sort of stuff. I was putting it all together. Would see it on TV as a as a toddler. I was wearing the Footscray jumper. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I had this affinity for Footscray and was, was, I remember getting my first packs of footy cards and was wanting the Footscray ones. So I was a Footscray supporter at four years old and five years old, pretty much, which is not where I ended up. Um, at that point, I think I then, I then, I then cottoned on that I didn't really know anyone that backed for Footscray. Dad backed for Carlton. Um, I sort of, and I was very aware of footy even at a very young age. So I sort of thought, mm, no, I've got to pick another team. <laughs> so, okay. So for about twelve months, I was, I was, I was just sizing up all the teams. And you were then, a free agent. Um, I was a free agent, yeah. <laughs> and then when I was in, I was would have been six <laughs> in starting grade one. Um, there was a, a bunch of kids that I was in a in class with who were Melbourne supporters and Melbourne were just rising. Melbourne had come from nowhere of 20 years of or 23 years of, of obscurity, basically the year before mm-hmm. to make the finals. Um, it seemed exciting that Melbourne were 
Melbourne with this team on the rise. So I, I latched on to Melbourne and that was that was how it happened. And then okay. you know, I eventually converted my younger brother to Barry from Melbourne as well. And then that's sort of how we we rolled. Okay. Um, so Dad, Dad's, Dad's Carlton and probably has a soft spot for Melbourne for these kids. Okay, well, I guess that, that means I don't have to ask you, was he disappointed in your decision? Um, uh, <laughs> it's funny. He, no, he, he wasn't. The, 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 he, I think he was okay with it. And, okay. and he's okay. okay with it. But he, he was the thing, I think, and I think at that time he, he, loved, he loves Carlton, but it was probably mm-hmm. as much talking, you know, the local community footy was as big for us. So, right, right. Um, that was that was a big thing, but but um, no, he 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 was fine with it. The, the the one thing he said is during this free agent period, my my brother was a free agent too, and one day he came home and said he was going back for Collingwood. Came home from school and said, "I'm going back for Collingwood." I, I'm I'm going to guess that your dad changed the locks while you were at school. He said, "That's fine, but you you can't live here anymore." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think he wanted. I, I was close. Kinder. I was close. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So. <laughs> you had it. So, so that, that it was sort of like, well, well, don't, don't bear it for, as long as you don't bear it for Collingwood. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm okay, and I'll be no. supportive of it. So, yep. so that's how it went, um, right. and that's that's how that's how I came to be a Melbourne supporter. So, ultimately, it was Footscray and now the Western Bulldogs lost that you uh, decided <laughs> yeah. that you that you had to succumb to peer pressure and and you know find some other people that shared <laughs> well, a common interest with you. It was. It was. A, it was just. A, it was. A, I, I would call it a flirtation that was. That was um, born out of something that was not. It was. Yeah. There was. There was no reason for me to back for Footscray other than right, the fact right. that I had these had these jumpers. So it was. Exactly. It was. A, it was a sort of a fluky thing. Um. And I and I think it was more that I just grabbed. I had a real attachment to wearing a jumper. There's lots of there's photos of me wearing Footscray jumper, but it was all based on the fact that. You know, I was the the baby at the footy club, mm-hmm. and and I would it would be passed down. Jumpers would be passed down from other toddlers who had had it at the club. So, yeah. So that's I mean, it's a it's a funny little quirky sort of story of how that happens. But um, now those friends, those... go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I, I don't I don't know um, how many people would would have been in a situation like that. That, that that's how they stumbled upon the team. But that's how it happened yeah. for me. Well, I... Those friends that you decided to follow in becoming D supporters are they still D supporters to this day? Yeah, they are. It's funny that they were there. Was a, there was a couple of them who were just sort of quite mad at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I well, I didn't think back to that time and that those those kids that were in my grade one class, who um, one of them I see at the footy sometimes, another one I, I went through high school with and and um i remember um on the the night of 2021 and in in during that month we we exchanged a lot of messages and it was it was really good just to good. just to talk to some of the guys who i feel like i'd been through the whole journey with. you've been to, yeah exactly you've been through the wars with them waiting for this yeah. to, that day to happen so yeah. shout out to shout out to vita <laughs> <laughs> so what you know again when you when you were in school if i'm not mistaken Mm. most schools you know in, in australia you you were wearing some sort of a school uniform correct it's, well it's funny you say that um i so primary school i um would have we had a school uniform i didn't wear it 
Okay. Very often it wasn't compulsory. And then I ended up going to a high school which had no school uniform, which would be one of the only high schools in Victoria or probably maybe Australia. I don't know that didn't have a didn't have a school uniform. Was, okay. We were a little bit different at my high school. Because the reason I was wondering about that, wondering about that is because, you know, if if everybody was in school uniform, which I, which it, it sounds like that's the case an awful lot, you don't always get to see, you know, who's affiliated with which club, who barracks for whom, because, you know, here, you know, here in the States now, you know, if it's a, like a private school, if it's, you know, maybe associated with the Catholic church or it's a, what mm-hmm. they call a charter school, they may have school uniforms and some public school districts will have them, but most school districts will allow kids to wear well, seemingly whatever they want anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so you've got kids, you know, different basketball, you know, jumpers, you know, jerseys yeah. with a t-shirt underneath it, or you know, NFL players' jerseys or major league baseball, you know, players u- uniforms or soccer players, that sort of thing. And uh and you know, I'm the one that'll, you know, several times a month I've got my cat stuff on in my classroom as as you've seen, you know, it's cat's gear all over it. Uh, a lot of new stuff in my classroom as well. My big premiership <laughs> flag is in there, you know, so but uh yeah, so you don't you don't really know who's you know who is with whom unless you actually well, talk to them about it. Well, we we did, and and I think I'm just reminiscing now and thinking back to that time. I mean, we would we would kick the footy at lunch, like every mm-hmm. lunchtime we would we would have a footy match on, and and the same, and then in summer we'd have a cricket match on. But yeah, so so we we'd always be talking about it. There was a, also, um, and I assume it's still the case for for young kids, but. Football cards were a big thing, mm-hmm. so you had everyone had footy cards. So you'd you know you'd be talking about stuff, talking Makes about sense. players, and talking yep. about the game, um, and and yeah, but but it was a even at that young age, it was a it was a big footy was a big part of Melbourne, um, and therefore you 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 talked about it and you knew yeah people knew who do you barrack for and you mm-hmm. talk about who you barrack for. So it was always. Thing, but yeah, as I said, I, I didn't actually. I, I went to, to schools where there was no. Well, there was school uniform was not compulsory in primary school, so I could wear okay. a Melbourne jumper to school if I wanted to. And then in high school, I we yeah we were one of, one of the only high schools that didn't have a um, a uniform and just little little connection that was. And she was there after me, but Daisy Pierce went to the same high school as me. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she, she was there afterwards. I actually went and interviewed a few of my old teachers who are mm-hmm. also her old PE teachers and sports teachers who, who coached her at footy when she rediscovered footy playing for the high school footy team. Um, right. a few yeah, a couple of years ago I went to interview them and it was nice to go back and talk to those guys and they, they reminisced about later on when, when they had they had Daisy in their team. Right, so, absolutely. Yeah, and I cannot wait to see what the next five to 10 years is like for her, because I, 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 just, I think she's an absolute rock star and, and, you know, I'm, I, I'm doing a series of episodes for the podcast, you know, trying to encourage American NFL fans to check out footy because I think they would absolutely love the game. And I know, I know we brought up her name in conversation in terms of maybe having, you know, like having like one dedicated broadcaster, to do the games here in the States and granted, I know she's going to be coaching with the cats. It's looking like, but I think she would be fantastic as a, as somebody who 
could explain the game in, in, in plain English to, to people who are novices to the game. You know, not taking nothing away from BT, but people aren't going to learn a lot about the game from BT calling a game. He explains it better than anyone, I think, yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, no, no one, no one agrees on on commentary. No, no one. Everyone has their favourites, and and right, and 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 that's just the way it is. And it's and it's always been like you that that people, mm-hmm. people, the the one that people love, someone will hate, whatever. But I, I just think, I just think she's she's really good at what she does. Yes. Um, and she's she's actually studied what an analyst role should do. I, I'm guessing. And she does it better than than anyone else. So I think you're right. If she'd be the perfect ambassador um, to 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 explain the game, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I I, I, so. I agree. With you. I, I spoke to Gary Pert for for a story recently um, when I, I went to Daisy's retirement press conference, and and I spoke to Gary Pert afterwards, and I I sort of said, you know, she's going to Geelong, but with everything she's done, um, you know. It, it, Will she go beyond coaching? Can she go, you know, uh, is administration where she might go? And he says, well, I think I've, I've spoken to her about that. And I I actually think she is a, a potential CEO in, in waiting if she wants I, to go down that path. That, that's, yeah. uh, you know... And I think while she would, while she probably would do a great, if somebody, and, and I think it would be an absolute seismic shift if they were to announce that she was going to be getting that job now, I think mm-hmm. she would do well with it. But I, but I, I think that the people who still quite don't accept the AFLW for what it is yeah. yet might have serious doubts about her having that role. Yeah. I, and I look, and, and I think, you know, right now, she 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 doesn't have the experience to do it because she's right, right. been playing. But but all of the as um, Pert said, she she's got the building blocks. If she wanted to go down that path, mm-hmm. she's got the building blocks to get there because she understands the the mix of the the commercial and the and the the football side of things, which is often the people get one or the other, right, in right, administration. And and it's and if they don't, it's very hard. It's very hard to sort of have credibility on on either side, whereas he, he thinks you know she gets it. So if she was, if she wanted to, if she wanted to go down that path, that would be a path. And when I say CEO, I mean she could be CEO of the club. She could right. Be, you know, yes. There's, yeah. there's or, or or it might be just heading up football department of of mm-hmm. the club, which is you know still a very you know high paying and and pretty pretty prestigious job yes, but absolutely all of that all of that sort of stuff but, but no he he thinks he thinks she's she's got it so bottom line yeah. bottom line whatever she's going to do i think she's going to do an outstanding job at it yeah yes no. and she's going to be a fantastic ambassador for the game in whatever role she plays yeah yeah it's, absolutely yeah so i want to go back to your time in primary school real quickly before we yeah. jump on yes. yeah because because I, I really want to kind of get the, the 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 tone of what was happening when you were at recess. So and I'm yeah. I'm guessing you were like every kid when you're when you're outside at at recess and you're kicking the footy around and that sort of thing. Were, were you was was it customary like it was here when we would throw a football around here or you know, play you know, throw a baseball around that sort of thing that you 
you assumed the persona of your favorite <laughs> player while you were out there. And if you did, who was that? So it's funny. You, you actually do in a way. Um, I, I, so again, I, I, back then my favorite player or the guy I latched onto, and I don't know why I latched onto him was a guy called Stephen stretch. He was, um, so when I was in, yeah, when I was in grade one, I, and I had his number 18 on my, on my jumper. Um, and he was sort of a wing halfback player generally, um, quick and would, was a lovely kick of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. and he, he, so <laughs> he was the guy. And I, I just, I do remember, um, in our footy games that we'd play at, at recess and lunchtime. And that's what you would do every recess and lunchtime. You'd be playing footy. Um, I would, he would, you know, when he'd play on the wing, you'd, you know, when the, when the ball was bounced, you'd see players run in from the wing, sprinting from the right, square. Right. So I would sort of, I, I do remember um, doing that as in when they, when they ball, they'd throw the ball up for a, a, in the middle for our game, I would run off the, run off the wing into the middle to try and get the ball. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 you definitely do that. I'm I'm looking I'm just looking at his stats right here and interestingly enough you know he played with the with the D's from 86 through 93 and then do you know where he went uh, to Fitzroy he yes. went to Fitzroy so and you stayed with the D's though you didn't go back yeah no, <laughs> I, I, I by then by then my uh, my Melbourne Melbourne um, connection it was well beyond Stephen Stretch but okay. um, I have actually funnily enough I've I did. I, He's on Twitter or he's on social media. I, I, I've had correspondence with him on social mm-hmm. media in recent years. And his son played for Melbourne. He under the father son of Billy Stretch, okay, um, who played for a few years. So yeah. So and I and I wanted to ask that question because I just yeah you know, I'm. But that that you're right. That happens. We all did that sort of thing. Yeah. We the other thing, that. the other thing with that time particularly. Um, and this might sound bizarre to, if you've seen him just in the way he is now, but um, the other thing is that we we all wanted to take big marks like Warwick Kappa. So in yeah. the in in the um, who was the Swans then Bears player. So in the in the schoolyard, if you were playing kick to kick, which was just kicking from end mm-hmm. to end, um, people would be trying to jump in the pack to take a mark and would yell out Kappa. <laughs> when they go up to take a mark, so that was that was probably the other one that um, that people emulated in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 and it was be it was past my time, but I mean, I remember seeing this, at, you know, as a teacher, seeing it at the school. You know, you'd watch kids out playing basketball, and they would throw up a shot, and they they would they would throw up the shot, Jordan, and 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 you know, and they were they were they were throwing up enough bricks that they could open up a home improvement store. Uh, we did that too at primary school. We we also we also tried to be Michael Jordan. So. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. But yeah, you know, so when you were a kid, did you get to go to the games often, or or did you end up going to the Carlton games because your dad was the Blues supporter? Well, it's it's funny going going back to the earlier thing. I, 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 most of the most Saturdays for me mm-hmm. were spent at the community forty okay. in West Preston. Okay. So, so yes, I would go to Melbourne games occasionally, and yes, we would we would occasionally go to some Carlton games as well. Um, but that might be five or six games at the most a year, okay. or four or five games or something like that. Um, 
and, and it was a special thing, whereas some some families went every week. But but most of my Saturdays were spent um, at uh, at the local football, so community football, and and you would you would go there, and you would the upside of that is you you can you go on the ground and have a kick at halftime mm-hmm. and quarter time and after the game. I remember being the you know your dad and the the other adults would be in the in the bar afterwards, and we'd be kicking the footy on the ground till it was dark after the game, um, sort of thing. And so that that was generally my Saturday, and you would but you would someone would have a radio giving the right. scores from the VFL or AFL at that time. So you kind of kept you kept in contact with it all um by that. And I and I, and I would but the preparation to going along to the game to the local footy would be listening to the the radio previews and so forth. So you were very engaged in what was happening still. Um, yeah, because I'm in, I'm looking at the uh I'm looking at the uh, the 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 round that we're going to be talking about here yeah. and uh Six of the seven games that weekend were played on Saturday, and one was on Sunday. So it, you know, so there were were there not? I guess I've never really looked back into it. Were there mm. not many Friday night games at that point in time? Yet? No, no. Friday, okay, Friday night. Friday night did games it have to do? Did it have to do mainly with the fact that there may be a lot of parks that didn't have lights? Well, well, that so at that point, Friday night footy. It's a, it's an interesting thing that the Friday night footy concept. So MCG got lights in nineteen eighty five. Mm-hmm. So before then, VFL Park Waverley had lights, but they would not. They would play a night competition as opposed to playing regular games under lights. So that first game of the MCG under lights is eighty-five, but over the next few years, it it struggles to take hold. It doesn't really, it doesn't really become a thing. And mm-hmm. so it, it it was North Melbourne were the club that pioneered Friday night footy, but even up until you know 91 92 time period there it was only friday nights were they didn't play every week friday nights they played them maybe half the weeks half of them would be outside of melbourne and then you'd have you know maybe four or five that were played in melbourne but they were not you know often they were low drawing you know there'd be games with less than 10,000 people there mm-hmm. so it it didn't really become a thing until later on Right, right. Um, so yeah, this and in middle of July they probably would well we wouldn't we we're gonna be less likely to to fixture a game, a Friday night game in Melbourne in the middle of winter, um yeah. at that point. But Friday night games were not yeah, it wasn't what it is today. Okay. It yeah. took and a while like, for that to happen. Yeah. It's like the Monday night games in, in the NFL, because yeah. which those didn't start until nineteen seventy, I believe. Mm. Uh, in fact, the first one was the the Jets, the Cl- New York Jets playing the Cleveland Browns, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. So, so, so it was it was a different, a different sort of very different landscape. Yeah. So the the, the game we're going to talk about is round sixteen of nineteen ninety, and we're we are talking about the Bombers and your D's, and uh, heck of a comeback. By the D's yeah. in this game, I watched the fourth quarter of it yesterday, uh, and it was just—it was a tremendous comeback. And you know, the person that that you referenced that I actually reached out to, and I'm glad I did because he's going to be coming on the podcast in a few weeks, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, tell us about your most memorable game and and what makes it so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give a, a little bit of context to it. So, 1990. That season, um, 
Melbourne came out of the blocks, you know, um, really like they'd been been in the finals for three three years, mm-hmm. um, hadn't quite got there, but came out of the blocks fast and basically were top of the top of the ladder early in the season, and that and that was you know genuinely thought that maybe premiership chance here. Melbourne was a premiership chance. Hawthorne had won the last two premierships and had always been the, had basically been a team Melbourne just couldn't beat. Um, but they they had had a bit of, they hadn't started the season well. So it was sort of, you know, this is, um, you know, potentially a, a chance for another club to come up and win one. And right. anyway, Mel, Melbourne started the season well. Very exciting that we were going well. And then, and then there was a slump. And slump happens mid-season and it all sort of really comes crashing down when we, we lose. And we had players out and all that sort of stuff, but we lost to North Melbourne by 127 points. John Longmire kicked 14 goals. That happened mid-season. And North Melbourne were a decent team, but not uh, they didn't make the finals this season. Uh-huh. We, we were okay. We were a team on the rise. Um, and And we went from basically sitting on the top of the ladder with a healthy percentage to being this team might not, this Melbourne team that started the season so well might not make the finals. Lost three in a row. So we'd lost three in a row and we're heading to Windy Hill, which is Essendon's home ground, mm-hmm. notoriously hard place to to win and to beat Essendon at. Um, and Essendon were on top of the ladder. So at, the, at that point, Essendon were the premiership favourites. Melbourne had, you know, looked at, Looked at they could be it because we'd beaten Essendon earlier in the year, but things had fallen away. And we went to Windy Hill with the expectation, or Melbourne went to Windy Hill with the expectation that this this is going to be a tough task. And a loss here could have, you know, we might have, we, we were going to drop out of the final five at that point if we had lost that game. So, and I don't know whether we would have been able to come back from that to be honest so that was the that was the context it was the odds all against all against us so um so yeah that that that's what i think that background makes it so memorable um and i i I remember i was actually at home that day so listening to it on the radio i remember actually sitting in the last quarter of this game I was um, actually shooting a basketball hoop because I was so nervous. I had to had to shoot, do something, <laughs> move around. As this uh, on the radio, this was coming through. What's listening to this game? And right. it was it was one of those games where Essendon always looked like they were going to be on top, and they were on top, and they opened up leads at different points in time, and and. And the commentators at the time were, were sort of saying, okay, now Essendon's put the foot on the accelerator and they'll run away with it. They're up by 41 points at one point. Um, at three-quarter time, they're up by 27 points. Right. And yeah. you, know, you don't – you can hope, but you, 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 it's, it's unlikely you come back from a 27-point deficit at three-quarter time, particularly when your team's not playing very well. You know, your team's mm-hmm. in a slump and you're playing against the top team on their own home ground um and, and looking at the looking at the crowd yeah. at that game you know having like i said i watched the fourth quarter of it yesterday it didn't look like there was an empty seat there anywhere that's yeah m- most of those games 
at the old suburban grounds. Um, mm-hmm. If you had two top teams playing, which, you know, Melbourne and Essendon were two top teams at the time, um, the, you know, there weren't. And, and a lot of it was standing room. So there mm-hmm. weren't that many seats in the place. So, you know, and when it when it's when you're standing, it's you know it's even f- feels more packed in. Um, I bet, yeah. So yeah. so yeah, they, there was twenty thousand. I, I don't know what the, the actual capacity. The, the capacity of those suburban grounds is very misleading. You, you go back and there's probably a game in the in the uh, in the fifties where there was forty thousand at Windy Hill, but you know how the hell that happened. It's a whole, you know, those sort of things were. By that time, you know, there were safety regulations in place mm-hmm. where you couldn't just just keep the gates open and pack people in. So that would have been, you know, a pretty good crowd at Essendon. Yeah, it was, yep. It was 20,000. Yeah, it's, uh, mm. and just, you know, looking at, you know, the, at the, you know, the score in the fourth quarter, you know, Melbourne outscored them 51 to 16. I mean, that is a, that's a, that's a massive fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So this and this is the thing. It, it, it seems so unlikely at the time. And this is this is why it's you know stuck with me so long, is that we um, well behind top team and and even halfway through the last quarter, Essendon got up by thirty four points. So mm-hmm. the challenge had been effectively seen off, and then then things changed. Yeah, <laughs> they certainly did. And, they and did. basically, what happened is you had a, um, you know, the, the for whatever reason, Essendon probably slowed down a little bit. Maybe thought thought this this one's in the bank. Um, and Melbourne at the time were a team that uh, were notorious for um, they'd play lower teams that they should beat mm-hmm. um, and and struggle and get over the line or or drop games that they shouldn't, but their coach John Norby had this mentality, this backs against the wall mentality that when everyone doubted Melbourne, he would fire them up in a way that they would come out and do things that frankly they were they'd beat teams that were more talented than them through sheer um, tenaciousness and commitment and all of those things. That's basically how it worked. And it was not oh, enough I think that can be the case. I think that yeah. can be the case where you know you have you know that you know you have you know that 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 a team being better than you know the sum of another club's yeah. parts. There may be some superstars on the other club, but if but if if they're not playing cohesively, you know a a, a hardworking t- you know you go back and you you look at the uh, you know the, if I and I'm probably going to blow this here, but if I didn't the in the movie Hoosiers, did you see the movie Hoosiers? I actually haven't, but I know it's a legendary movie. Okay, but, yes. but if I'm not mistaken, you know that you know they get to the state championship game and the uh, the their team it looks to be vastly undermanned. And if I remember correctly, you know they they ended up defeating you know a team that on paper and you know if you looked at the talent level, the players that they should have had they should have been run out of the gym. But if I'm not mistaken, they they ended up winning the game. And uh, yeah. I'm probably wrong, and people are going to send me all kinds of hate mail for that because it's been a while since I've seen it as well. But uh, I think that's what happened. Yeah, well, and that that was that was sort of the Melbourne mentality. That the, the the knock on them was they lacked class, um, and that mm-hmm. was ultimately why they they would fail at the final hurdles. Um, but it was also the one of the reasons that the they would often drop games that they shouldn't drop, um, which prevented them from getting the double chance. So 
finishing in the top three at the time we would get right, you a double right. chance. Melbourne never in that period never got the double chance, which was always seen as you need to be in the top three to win a premiership. So, um, but but that day, the, the 1990 was probably the and I've I've chatted to the the coach John Norby about this in fact for something and and he feels that was the that year was the best chance of winning a a, a premiership with that mm-hmm. group. Um, and as it you know. I'll probably talk a little bit about what happens next after this game for that season, but they they had the the pieces and the the person that really won the game off his own boot really is a guy called Darren Bennett, who um, would go on to be an NFL punter, and mm-hmm. he had come across to to Melbourne the year before. Melbourne didn't have a full forward and you needed a big full forward who kicked lots of goals to win games at that point in time. We didn't have that. He came across the year before. Was a, he was an injury-played sort of a player, but in 1990 he got it all together and played a full season. He kicked 87 goals, which is the most a Melbourne player um, has kicked since 1947. So, that you know, that's the most goals in a season a Melbourne player I mean and I, I the way the game's played at the moment that will be he won't be broken um, a guy called Fred Fanning kicked 97 in the 40s but but after that Darren Bennett's sort of stands alone as the the biggest total and that this day he he um he was a prodigious kick right, and that's right. why he went to the NFL and he uh, we were 34 points down the ball got delivered to him and he he kicked the goal then the ball got delivered to him again. He kicked another goal. These are 50-meter out kicks, yes, which yes. he just clears them post high. Um, gives us a chance. We get a couple more goals, and then things start to get interesting. And <laughs> he he kicks he kicks a, a third goal, and then we're within three points. All of a sudden, you know, this has happened in the space of almost five or six minutes. Right, right. Um, and all of a sudden, it's game on. It's frantic. Melbourne's running, 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 and we've got the momentum. Essen have stopped, um, and there's a particular passage of play which is quite iconic for anyone who, who a Melbourne supporter of the time who who might remember it. But um, the ball's it's going from half you know half forward line to half forward line, it's bouncing between it. But but Melbourne is is gaining ground every time. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's almost like a like a rugby or, or or NFL kind of situation where we're pushing them back, right. and um, eventually the ball gets sort of kicked, bombed back from Essendon to to Melbourne's to to, the, to their sort of half forward line, and Gary Lyon takes a, a great mark, and almost as he hasn't hit the ground yet, and he and he handballs across yep. to Danny Hughes, who is one of our dependable back in the time, who is running, he is just running runs through and just boots the ball as, as long as he can. And um, Darren Bennett jumps high into the side of Paul Vanderhaar, his Essen defender, and sort of um, it wards him off with his knees and, and takes the mark. Um, and Paul Vanderhaar is, is, is on the ground in agony afterwards. Bennett kicks the, kicks the goal from sort of 50 metres out Melbourne hit the front and we're never headed for the next sort of five minutes. It's, it's, yeah. it was one of the most remarkable comebacks ever. Yeah. I reached, I, I reached out to Mr. Bennett last night and got a, re, you know, on Twitter and got a response from him. And he said that he, uh, that he broke several of his ribs <laughs> on that mark. And, and he went, you know, he went in 
you know, and it was, it, he didn't go gently into that good night. I mean, it was knee first right into his side and, you know, and watching that, you know, again, like I said, I've only watched the fourth quarter of it, but yeah. And, you know, he was six foot five, which if I did the math here, yeah. that's a hundred, it's about 196 centimeters. So he was, he looked huge compared to everybody else out there. And, 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 yeah. and 195 centimeters today is, is tall, but it, you've got a lot of key forwards who are significantly taller than that these yeah. days, but he still looked like, you know, he was a head above everybody else. Yeah. He, he, he was, he was what we needed at the time because mm-hmm. yeah, you had, this is the era of, of, you know, Lockett and Dunstall and, and getting into Ablett playing full forward all the time. And, and every club seemed to have a full forward that could kick big bags goals and Melbourne didn't. Um, so had getting him across because he'd been at West Coast previously and had been injury played and was was going to give away was going to retire from footy because of the injuries but but sort of got the call to come and come to Melbourne and and um, yeah he he was that and particularly that season he just he just had it all together and he kicked there were games where he kicked more goals than that one but I think that's the game that sticks out for for mm-hmm. Melbourne supporters and I think sticks out for him as well because he he kicked four goals in the last quarter um, and. You know, we we went from well thirty four points down midway through the quarter, and and I think kicked the next you know probably next six goals of the game. Uh, actually, next next seven goals of the game um, to to win it, and it was just it was so unlikely. That was why um, that's why it's so memorable. It was just so unlikely at the time that this would one that we would win the game, but we would win the game in that fashion when it right. when to overcome such a such a a, um, a deficit so late in the game. It wasn't, you know, you see teams put together big comebacks these days mm-hmm. in footy, but it was less. I think it was less prevalent in then then to to overhaul that sort of margin in a, in a last quarter. Um, so I, I remember, you know, I'm I'm listening to it on the radio. It's it's wild that we're winning this game, and customary at the time and. Obviously, this is this won't be news for for people of my vintage or, or older in, in in Australia, but this might be some insight for, for you, Craig. Is that what would happen then? Is okay, you've listened to it on the radio and you've won the game. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Now what? Now the big thing was is every Saturday night there'd be a, a replay of the the best two games of the day, as okay. in they'd play they'd play half an hour of each game. Okay. Uh, it'd be six thirty or six o'clock at night, and so then it was like, oh, we need to get we need to get to the TV right, and watch right. the replay of this. And as they did, they they played the last quarter because that's right. that's when all the action happened. So um, there was a mad scramble to find a videotape mm-hmm. so we can videotape the the game, uh, which we found, and we videotaped the game, watch it, and just. It's even better here seeing it in, yeah. in living color, and then that tape. Um, I don't think it exists anymore, but that tape for the next probably 10, 10 years. Uh-huh. I, I think we wore out the tape. Okay. We wore my brother and I watched it that many times. Um, it was just it was our go to for um, if Melbourne were going bad, we want we would put that on to to sort of remember the good times. Or if Melbourne were going good, it would help you know b- breed more excitement watching right, right. that game. So, so you you didn't you didn't do anything crazy like you know 
tape over your parents' wedding video or anything like <laughs> that, did you? No, no. Okay. We, I, I don't know what we taped over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> luckily, I don't think they did. I don't think they they. I don't think they had it on video, so that so we okay. couldn't tape that over. But um, no, we didn't. We didn't tape over anything important. But it became. Um, we then, like, as the years went on, if Melbourne had a great win, mm-hmm. and the, and you'd get to the replay that night, you we'd um, we'd we'd add it on to the end of that tape. Right. So there was okay. this there was this I added thing of different the, games that would the go greatest on. Greatest hits album. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It yeah. was. It was Melbourne's greatest hits of the early nineties. So now, you know, I. I looked at the at the rest of the season because you know mm. you know this is towards the end of the season, but looking at the finals that year was just what happened there was kind of crazy because you know Essendon finished at the top of the ladder, um, but they uh, they played their last game in round twenty two on the first of September, and they didn't play another game until the twenty until the twenty second no the 23rd of September. They went three weeks without playing a game. And when they went out, they laid an absolute egg. They just got thumped by Collingwood. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, they had to come back the next week and they, and they, they beat it. They beat, you know, West Coast to get, you know, to the grand final. I beat them in the prelim. But then they got thumped again by Collingwood. So does. 1990 was the most bizarre year. Yeah. It was. And and I again so Hawthorne the dominant team um, uh, who had but you know a lot of injuries after the eighty nine grand final that's an acknowledged fact from both clubs. Well, they had a lot of injuries during the nineteen eighty nine grand yeah, final. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Geelong, Geelong were the same. Geelong, Geelong after the the the, the, the heroics of eighty nine didn't make the finals in nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams were were beat up afterwards clearly and Hawthorne started the season very slowly and it and it was seen as the, the the empire had finally crumbled for Hawthorne so there was this window of opportunity for a club to win and and after you know Melbourne beat Essendon and, and get back on track um Melbourne win for the rest of the season so including going to Perth and beating West Coast really you know really strong win so at that point it looks as if um you know, certainly from a Melbourne perspective, back on track, and this could mm-hmm. be our year. The last game of the year, Melbourne had to play Hawthorne, um, and that that was still seen as the ultimate challenge for Melbourne to to, to beat Hawthorne. We did. We beat Hawthorne, um, which was goals. which was yep. it was just a huge thing. But at the same time, unfortunately, West Coast was completing a comeback on Geelong at the same mm-hmm. time down down um, at Cadinia Park, which meant that Melbourne got pushed out of the double chance spot, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it it really changed the complexion of of the season for Melbourne. Then, then we go into the first week of finals, and there's this this draw between Collingwood and right. West Coast, which at the time there's no extra time; you had to replay right, it the right. next week. So, so, yeah. Do Essendon supporters look back at that draw, and and say that that might you know that cost them possibly the maybe the momentum that they needed to win the premier? And and again, I'm not blaming them if they do it, but did it, they think that some of them think that that cost them the momentum of winning, maybe the grand uh, final I, that year? I th- I think that they would they would say that yeah absolutely, 
it was it was a funny thing at the time though because um at the time nobody the idea that, that we'd have they'd have to play that other game right. is that it, so that the next day the west coast and Collins draw the next day melbourne play hawthorne and at that right. point people hawthorne had finished the season like hawthorne had beaten collingwood by 80 points a few weeks before so Everyone thought Hawthorne, Hawthorne could still, you know, until Hawthorne's dead, they're not dead. And Collingwood will, oh, sorry, Hawthorne, Hawthorne could do this still. They've still mm-hmm. got all the guys, you know, that had a lot of injuries during the year. Barrett and Dunkel had spent a lot of time out, but they were back. So at that point, knowing that Essendon were going to not play for a while, knowing that Collingwood and West Coast are draw and would have to come back the next week and play, which was just seen as a as a difficult thing mentally and physically, all of a sudden, everyone thought, well, isn't this opening up for Hawthorne? Hawthorne, you know, they'll beat Melbourne because they, yeah. they always do when it matters. Right. And then then the Hawks are back. The Hawks can can run through. Melbourne beat Hawthorne in that elimination final in a pretty close game, which was a huge win for Melbourne at the time. Um, so then all of a sudden, the narrative changed to, well, hang on, it's now opening up for Melbourne. Melbourne are going to get a week off. Because the, mm-hmm. the you know the, the the system was is that we, if it's a drawn game and you have to replay it, the whole competition has to take a week off because everything is predicated on who wins that game. Right, so right. Melbourne got a week off as well. Yeah. So you had this situation where where Essendon and Melbourne were sitting there waiting, and a lot of the pundits thought, well, that's going to suit Melbourne better because they're only going to have one week off, whoever they play, and. You know, to be fair, from a Melbourne perspective, you look at it and you say, well, okay, we've beaten Essendon twice during the season, so there's no reason to fear Essendon. We've actually beaten them at their home ground. Collingwood, who were obviously would go on to win the flag, Collingwood were a, a good team, and um, but Melbourne had had done pretty well against Collingwood. They'd they'd put them out of the finals the two the, both years before that. So, you know, even Collingwood at the time acknowledged that that. Melbourne were a bit of a bogey team at times for them. Mm-hmm. And then you had West Coast touring as well, but had never, you know, would rarely win in, still at that point would rarely win in Melbourne and had never won a final um, at all at that point. And, and Melbourne had gone over to Perth and beaten them quite comfortably a few weeks beforehand. But so that was bubbling around and, and you start to believe. You go, well, hang on a second. We can beat all these teams. Hawthorne's gone. Hawthorne was the one where everyone feared. Right, right. <laughs> Remove them from the equation. Um, so, yeah, so that's sort of how it played out. And and Collingwood came back and beat West Coast very easily the next week. And, yeah, we're in, we're, we're into September 23 and, and Essendon still haven't played. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but West Coast beat Melbourne, and, and that was a big surprise at the time. And there was there's a few unfortunate they a, injuries. They had a, a huge, yeah, they had a huge second quarter against you. Well, second and yeah. third, that you know they went down twelve, well, twelve goals to six. You know, it was a big third quarter for both yeah. clubs. But you know, they beat you by five, beat you by five goals there. But uh, so, does your did, was that the year that your brother regretted his choice to not, you know? having not stood by his, his uh, predilections to be a Collingwood supporter? By then he, he was, I, I converted him fully. And okay. He was, he was, um, he was, it was only, it was only a day, I reckon that Collingwood flirtation, but, but, um, but that, yeah, no, the, the, it was, it was a really disappointing 
finish because you know and there's a few there's a few other things but it, it kind of played into the narrative that when melbourne when everyone thought melbourne were going to win that's when they stumbled and oh. and there was a little bit of that gary lyon um there was a friendly fire at training that week and gary lyon didn't play which was probably another a blow both because mm-hmm. he was because he was a good player, but also probably psychologically not having Gary Lyon there was was a was a blow as well. But you know that West Coast team would end up being a great team. So you know we didn't know at the time how good they were going to be, and and that was the first stirrings really of what West Coast would become in the next few years. Yeah. So you know I, I'm I I mean I, I it is a it's it's fascinating again you know because I'm every time I, I talk about one of these games, I'm going back and seeing it for the first time, or I'm reading up about it for the first time, because my, you know, my, my footy experiences really begin in 2016, which, you know, a lot of people are thinking, okay, that's just, that's just a blip ago on, on this, on the screen. But it's, you know, that's, so I, I love being able to go back and learn about, you know, these games. I mean, I, you know, I, the first one I did was a, a guy who was you know, back in like 1970 or, 70 or something like that right after the the might have been 76 after the first olympics and he was supposed to go to a richmond game and uh had a track and field day at at, at school and one of the girls in, in his school was you know spinning around with the discus and threw it and hit him in the head and fractured his skull so he's in the hospital instead of watching the games i mean it's just oh, yeah. it's you know it's it's memorable for a different kind of reason but yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. well that's my, my my memory of going back to that around 16 game my memory is is I just think when when sometimes when you're nervous you you have to keep you have to do things and I was sitting there with the radio and I was just constant I was just shooting shooting at the at my basketball hoop and it was like we were kicking goals we'll keep doing it keep right doing right it. exactly keep doing it. for every goal for every it. for every every field goal I hit they're going to kick yeah. a goal so yeah. It's, yeah that, and, that and, and 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 again going back to the game I I actually I vividly recall. Um, walking in to school on the Monday morning, walking to primary mm-hmm. school and seeing a couple of my Melbourne supporting friends and we were all, we were all talking about Darren Bennett's mark. Right, <laughs> right. I, was, I, I recall that and it was just a, it was just a great moment, but it was just, it was a good time. I think you always, um, you always sort of, latch on to you you talk about 2016 i'm sure there's there's moments from that period of when you mm-hmm. first first latch on to a you know a, a team or a sport or right, right. a band or whatever but the, the those early early moments of of being um of sort of falling in love with a team or a sport mm-hmm. i think are the things that's really stay with you so that all of those those games and those players will always have a special place and perhaps i probably would get more excited about talking to someone of that era than mm-hmm. any other era because it's just the moment it's just it's 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 specific to you um yeah first first falling in love with the game so yeah it's it's, really, it's, it's the it's, one that it was the one during your formative years yeah it's, yeah uh, it's yeah. you know I, you know, I just i've I had an absolute blast you know talking to people about games and and you know, going back into the 1960s, you know, it's been mm. it's been fascinating because I, I hear the names, you know, and I recognize, you know, I start to recognize the names. You know, I mean, I'm looking through the, you know, the, you know, the list of you know the players here. You know, you've got you know 
you know, Jack Viney's father playing in this game. And yeah. there's, you know, you know, one, one of the Danaher family, you know, Terry Danaher playing for the, you know, the, uh, um, bombers in this game. And it's yeah. just, you know, it's, uh, and I'm sure there's probably a name or two that I'm missing. You know, of course you have Gary Lyon who Gary Lyon in 1990, looks an awful lot like Gary Lyon in 2022. The last time I saw him on television, there, not a whole lot has changed. Not a whole lot has changed. And I, and I have to, I have to admit in all the years that I've been following footy, his, his accent was the one that I had the most difficult time deciphering. I've, I've got it now, but it took me a while to where I, whenever he was talking, I really had to tune in and turn the channel up because to, because it was just, it was just a little bit different than everybody else's. And it was just, but I've, I've got it now, but it just, it, I really struggled with that one for about a year. Is it yeah. interesting like Gary Ryan? He's he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, I I feel like he's the he's almost the litmus test of the Hall of Hall of Fame. He either should be in or he should be just out. But he, he's there's a there's a line, and I think there's some guys that are in that probably shouldn't be in ahead of him. I, I think he might get in one day, and I think probably his media stuff on top of that. I mean, he's been basically right, since right. he retired. He's been in the media, and that that should add weight to his to his spot for the Hall of Fame. But yeah, you... that, 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 this game is probably one of his better games. And it, it, a lot of people remember him as a forward. He started as a forward and he finished his career as a forward. But in the middle mm-hmm. of his career, in this, in this period, he, he played everywhere. He, he would play a bit of forward. Um, he would play a lot of centre-half back. In fact, he got picked in two. Of the, this year, he was in the team of the year, which was the forerunner to the All-Australian as the centre-half back. The year before, same thing. Um, uh, but but this day he he got moved he he basically moved into the into the center in the last quarter so he was playing in the midfield in the last quarter and mm-hmm. was one of the big reasons um, why we 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 got moving and came back um, but yeah he he's um yeah from, from of that era he was very important to Melbourne and and later on when things went a bit south with the club. I mean, he was playing and he was almost a virtual president of the club as well while he was mm-hmm. playing. He was the face of the club and there was a lot of, he carried a lot of weight um, in, you know, when, when the club wasn't going very well, right. he was, he was the go-to person and he was still yeah. playing captain and he was injured and he really couldn't do much in a playing sense. Um, so I, I was, really happy and, and and one of the moments when when a little tear might have run down the cheek in 2021 was when he mm-hmm. he walked up with the with the with the cup um mm-hmm. it was a that was yeah, a, the... a moment where that takes you back to right. your time as a child because you were watching these guys yeah. play and well, was and, that you know the, you know the, the, the celebration with you know with kate roffey there and you know and yeah when, when it happened was just was just was wonderful to see and and i'm and she she was she was absolutely gracious too because you know when she got that position, you know I again people have no clue who the heck I am when I reach out to them. You know maybe some people might have heard of the podcast, but but I'm not a, I am not a household name by any stretch of the imagination. And I and I yeah. I just reached out to her and I congratulated her and I you know told her who I was. I said you know when the dust settles, I'd love to sit down and you know learn what yeah. a te- what a team president does. Two days later, I have an email back from her. When do you want to sit down and talk? And I talked to her for like an hour and a half. A week later. Yeah, and you know fantastic you know, yeah the, you know the club wins the premiership and i i, I send her you know a congratulatory message on i send her an email congratulating yeah. her again two days later i have an email from the president of the club who hasn't won a premiership <laughs> in 57 years deciding you know i'm going to take a moment and, and 
you know, send a message to this person here that's on the other side of the planet who's not even a supporter of our club. You know, so I just, it just, it boggles my mind. And it, it's one of the things that I just absolutely love about this game. Is it, yeah. it, is it the relationship between the, the clubs and the supporters is, is unlike anything we have here. And no, it's, 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 it's really good. And it, it, we probably don't take, we take, probably take it for granted in a way because we're, that's just sort of how it's always been. But, yeah. and, and that connection with 2021, I, um, before the 2021 grand final, um, I uh, we were in lockdown. Um, oh yeah. And, uh, so I actually we I probably it was I probably broke the rules slightly, and that my my um, brother came around to mm-hmm. watch <laughs> watch the game, um, and we watched the that you know in the lead up in the hours leading up to the game. We watched the last quarter of that round 16, 1990, like we'd watched so many times over the years. That was our preparation mm-hmm. for the game. So we watched that, and that was sort of like, okay, we've <laughs> we feel good about that. Now we go, and and then down, you know, some time later when they had the the celebration yeah. back in Melbourne. Now I, I will let you know. I do have it on good authority that the prime minister does not listen to the podcast. So I think you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're good. Uh, I think the statute limitations of Melbourne were. I think it might and be it was too, grand, yeah. And it was a and it was a grand final. It was a premiership. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Just, but, so, but see, we I mean, you'd see a lot of these. Some of the guys that played on that day when they had the celebration at the MCG, some some you know a month or so later in in December or whenever it was, you know, Todd Viney was there, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these guys were there and 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 got the chance to have a chat to. Stephen Tingay, who played that day in 1990 at, at, at a pub afterwards, and you know, that's that's just that's just so good that that yeah, those guys enjoyed it. Yeah, just you know, the, the, like I said, the fact that 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 the supporters and and the athletes are are for the most part they're in the same orbit with one another. Yeah, it's just it's it's something that I think that this this country could learn an awful lot about. And the relationship between the, the you know the teams or the clubs could I think be so much better than than what we do than what we do have here. But I think that's probably even more so. I mean, I, that may change, but even you know, in the states generally, I would say pro players that have substantial careers mm-hmm. they, they don't really have to go and work in the workforce for the rest of their lives. You know, right? They, they do true. they do things, whereas. Right. Um, these players from this era, um, they all have jobs. They, 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 once they finish playing, they 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 had to go and get a job and live the rest of their lives. Or they and, may have had I, a job while they were playing. Yeah, at that point. In time, yeah, yeah. Well, well, they had a job when they were playing generally. Mm-hmm. And I look look through that list, and there's there's just different guys that you know it might be fleeting things that I've connection I had with them down the you know in years gone past. Um, and yeah, I, I have. There's a few of them there, and you just go, "Yeah, I spoke to that guy about this thing, you know, or I, I met this guy through this." And it's, or my dad did some work with that guy. Like, there's uh-huh. just these little connections, and you go, "Well, that's it's just great that that, you know." And you want to tell them, you want to tell them. So mm-hmm. the other thing, I just, I, I, Rod Grinter was a guy who was a stalwart. He didn't actually didn't actually play that day in '99, but was a stalwart of the club at that point and the team at that point. And um, 
during the lead up to 2021, I, I interviewed him for a story about the Melbourne past players and how they were actually coping with the idea that they were, they might win a premiership, but they were in lockdown. And he right. told me about how they were communicating and connecting. Um, and it was lovely. And I, I, at about midnight after the premiership, I sent, sent Rod Grinter a text message saying, oh, oh, how good's this Rod? And he sort of sent back saying, it's bloody magnificent or something like that. And it was yeah. just like, wow. That's made my night, you know. Well, <laughs> I'm going to cry again now. You know, it, it had to, and 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 I'm and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and I'm and I'm I'm not going to I, I'm going to guess that, the tears did flow, as soon as yeah. the the siren went. I mean, I, I, you know that 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 weight had been list, lifted off of 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 everyone. You know, you the, you know that what they call a proverbial getting the monkey off your back, if you will. Yeah. It was, you know, it it was over, and it's you know. It's a club that I think can be right back out there again this year. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's... Well, look, yeah, it, it's quite. You know, I, I think I think you know they should be in the mix. Um, I, I'm careful not to. You know, I'm now that I'm I'm sort of writing and doing that sort of stuff more full time. I've got to be I'm got to be a bit above club club. Right, um, right. Parochialism, yes. but but I think I think they'll be in the mix. Um, yeah. it, there's a lot a lot has to go right to win a win a premiership, and I think mm-hmm. um, all you can do is put yourself in the mix, and that's what you know Geelong do really well, obviously, and have done so many times. Um, and Melbourne's got to do that again, and if they get there, they've, they've certainly and things fall their way, then you know they've been there before now and they can do it. So I think that's the, that's the key. You get there a little bit like, you know, Richmond have done during their period mm-hmm. too. You, you you get there. And if you're there, you're, you know, and you know what to do. Mm-hmm. Other, others, others may fall and you, you, you can, you can stand strong and, and be the team that's there. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I did want to ask you one thing that's kind of off off target of what we were talking about here. Yeah. You you worked within the league for a yeah. while and you, you know, you are, you know, you write about the game and that sort of thing. And as I mentioned at the outset, I'm doing this other series here. But if you yeah. if you were if you had a recommendation that you could make to to the league, you know, as far as maybe trying to grow the game here in the United States. Because my, my thesis has been if if the league could figure out how to get one percent of the United States interested in the game. That's ten percent of Australia's population, and it could be a huge economic windfall for the comp in terms of you know higher salaries, research for you know health issues, you know rebuilding local footy. You know they got crushed by COVID, that sort of thing. What would what would you suggest to whoever the next CEO? I'll preface by saying it is a it's a politically difficult thing to do to invest money in in that from for, right. for an AFL CEO, right? Because right. because for the reasons you've just outlined, is that for every dollar that's spent, even though you know we understand why, mm-hmm. for every dollar that, that is spent in what we would call international development or something right, like right. that, someone will say, "What are you doing? That dollar should be spent on the grassroots." Here now, it's I think that's a short that's a, that's a short sighted view, mind you. Yeah. But I understand why people have that view. So a lot of people have that view, and a lot of people think that 
money invested in that area is is money down the drain. You know, that mm-hmm. you know America will never take hold, or, or or whatever country it is will never never um, embrace our sport because they've already got their own things. I, I'm I'm I don't believe in that. I'm I'm very much the opposite. In fact, okay. in fact, I can go back. Um, when I was interviewed to go and work at the AFL, I was asked a similar question. And um, Dave Matthews, who now runs GWS, was one of the guys in the interview who asked me the question. I, my, mm-hmm. my simple answer was, well, he said people, it was along the lines of what would you say, you know, about trying to push the game internationally and, and where would that be a worthwhile thing? Do you think it's worthwhile? And my answer was, well, I actually, I think it is because I think it's the best sport in the world. And therefore, if someone sees it, mm-hmm. they will they will think it's the best sport in the world too. What if mm-hmm. they're given a, given the opportunity? So that that answer might have got me the job, to be honest. But, but you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't in charge of that or in that. But I did work right, a right. little bit with national guys, and at that at that point, I think um, it was very much on the agenda. We did mm-hmm. a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of work being done, um, a lot of excitement. I think as time went on, um, things changed a little bit. And so when I left there, that was when GWS had just started. And I think perhaps the enormity of what Gold Coast and GWS were, perhaps, um, you know, maybe they thought things would take off quicker. Um, mm-hmm. Therefore, money and resources went in that direction. There was a whole other thing at that point with the Essendon drug saga, which I think it's fair to say that at that after that point, rightly or wrongly, the scrutiny on what the AFL did ramped up right. a lot. And it's an easy target to talk about international development. It's, it's, it can be sadly, enough. sadly, it's an easy target because um, it's seen as some sort of flight of fancy by some people, not me. So. That's a long way of, of of getting to an answer for your question. What would I do? I think I think you've got to be strategic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to you've got to look at ways, and you've got to look at links in. So you know things like what we're seeing. You know we've got to we're talking before the Super Bowl um, here, um, and there may be a punter, an ex AFL player punting in the Super Bowl. I think. It's things like that we have to latch onto as a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like that moment that, you know, it wasn't the moment that you grabbed on the footy, but others did during that lockdown period where there was no sport on and others right, right. people discovered footy. I think it's it's a matter of of the AFL. I understand that they don't have millions, they won't be putting millions and millions and millions into this sort of stuff, but having dedicated creative and resourceful people working on this um, and finding opportunities and set and grabbing those opportunities. I can the, like, now this is very different. I know, but I can see NFL has opened office in Australia in recent, mm-hmm. in the last, um, in August last year. And I've been talking to them a bit for some, for some stories I've been writing and finding out what they're doing. Now I'm seeing that, at the moment, now obviously the NFL has got different economies of scale to the AFL and all that sort of stuff. But yes, let's exactly. let's forget that for a moment. But what I'm seeing from the NFL right now, 
um, is they're being really active on social media. They're they're doing lots of things in NFL Australia to try and tie into what's happening here. And they're being really open. I think that's probably what the AFL needs to look at. They they've done a bit of it, but I I just I just think it it doesn't have to be a, a huge um high paying executive role doing this. Right, just right. put someone in, in there who is resourceful, creative, inventive, and passionate about it, mm-hmm. who got a lot of energy and will just and because this is how historically football has has done things well, having people with passion and energy and creativity has resulted in good things for footy, um, whether okay. it be at volunteer level or that. So I, I just think I think they've just got to be smart and and look at look at different ways they can hook in. Um, you know, the TV thing is a whole other thing, and I and I don't know where the TV thing sits at the moment. Um, yeah. But we, 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 you know, the opportunities will be there in a in a way. Yeah, yeah. The thing, the thing here is, we usually get three or four games. You know, and again, I have the the app where I get all the games live on demand, mm. all the Fox Footy programming, that sort of thing. I get, you know, I can watch the games going back to 2017 on the Fox Footy app. Mm. But uh, I wish they could figure out how to get the the shows off of. You know, channel nine on there. I mean, get the front bar on there, you know, get footy classified. It'd be great if they, you know, we're getting the channel seven games on there. Why not get the, the other programming on there as well? Yeah. But, uh, that, that's, that's no, neither here nor there, but no, you're right. That's the sort of stuff that, that and, and it's that little bit of creativity that you never uh-huh. know might, might happen. You might be able to say, Hey, we're just going to package this up. Yeah. Um, for, you know, as a something and, but yeah, that's that's the sort of thing. Oh, and I back the AFL. I, I just think I think the focus has shifted a little bit in the last ten years. It was it was there mm-hmm. prior. Um, hopefully, it comes back. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, I'd I'd spend instead of spending whatever was spent on getting Robbie Williams out for the grand final, I would have got. Um, I think someone made the suggestion. Why didn't they spend it on Pat McAfee coming out? Now. I reckon that's a good, you know, that's a good yeah. idea. What what they could have what they could have generated, um, in an international sense is, yeah. you know, he's not he's not going to be sitting on the middle of the MCG, but you know, the 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 sort of excitement he might be able to generate in another in another um, place in the world about the game. Well, that, that's that's the sort of. I wouldn't no. see it because I'm still blocked by him on Twitter for some reason. I have no clue oh, really? why I I got blocked by Pat McAfee on Twitter. I have no clue what happened. Uh, but uh, I did. You uh, spirits. You should be. You should be well, friends. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess the only thing I can think of would have happened is that you know that you know once baseball and basketball came back here that year after yeah. everything had been shut down, I think the sponsors for American sports got in his ear and said, "Quit talking about this foreign game." And I, I might have made a comment about that 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 they didn't take too kindly to, but uh, I, I it certainly was it wasn't in a belligerent way or anything like that because I don't I don't do that because I I can't afford to alienate people on social media because I want people to tune into the podcast so it's uh I'm pretty accommodating put, as far as that goes. Put this way, I, I I hope I hope when Mason Cox finishes his career, um, I think it sounds like he's going to make Australia home. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm hopeful that. And he's someone who he has got a bit of creativity and inventiveness mm-hmm. about him, clearly, and and thinks a little bit differently. I, 
I'd hope there's a there's a role where Mason Cox is is um is in there banging the drum, you know. That's a great that's a great point. That's a great yeah. point. So mm. before we go, uh I did I went through and listened to that uh the episode the Darren Bennett episode from the you know the, the greatest season that was and it mentioned that there was a season two in the works. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, so, <laughs> well. Or am I editing this part out? It, it, no, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it's never happened is the, is the, is okay. the short answer. It's, the, it's never happened. Look, okay. there's lots of, um, the greatest season that was podcast, we, it started with the 1993 season and that was the thing that sort of kicked things off. And then we, mm-hmm. we've, we've made a, a, a number of different, we, we made a number of different seasons, which alternated between cricket and football. Um, and uh, at the moment, so the, 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 the series we did about the American connection was slightly different because that involved myself and, and Ed Wyatt, um, who is an American um, who has, come to Australia and been involved in media in Australia. Mm-hmm. The, 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 usual, the usual suspects of Greatest Season that was uh, myself, Adam Collins, and, and Dan Bredig. Um, but to be honest, right now at this moment, we're also busy with our own right, things right. that we just don't have time to do the podcast. And, and, and there's also a commercial element to it that we had great success, particularly with the first series of it. Lots mm-hmm. of people listened, but... Um, but there is a commercial reality to it as well for us that we needed to, we were, we were making it in a way that, that called upon a fair bit of work from people. And, um, and sorry, I should mention Jane Mueller, who, who is an American who um, now works at the AFL um, in their media department. Um, he, he was, he produced our, our, uh, podcast as well. Okay. So there's lots of, lots of elements that we needed to do. And at the end of the day, we, we got to a point where things were we needed a commercial outcome so for example we have a series that's i would say half done maybe three quarters done mm-hmm. um about uh, australian football and the irish experiment and how irish players came to play right, right um which is really it's really good but it's never seen a light of day um because we've spent three years trying to shop it around commercially and can't get a can't get someone to to buy, we almost had someone on. <laughs> they, were, they came very close to to being involved, and we we got to the third and fourth meeting, and and but so yeah, that's that's sort of where the the podcast sits in the moment. Okay. But one one day we'd love to. I know it's the five year anniversary of our this year will be at the five year anniversary of what we did the ninety three podcast, which is it'll now be thirty years since ninety three. Um, I don't know. I haven't talked to the guys, but I'd love to do something around that. We always talk about doing a live show before the grand final, so maybe yeah. we, if 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 um if we can pull it together, we might do a live show of the '93 season. Um, there you go. There you go. So, anyway, um, they don't know that yet. <laughs> you, you're t- yeah. Now they do. Uh, your 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 time. Your 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 position with the code right now. You are. I know you're busy there so, because you've got new articles coming up all the time. Tell us about what's going on over there. Yeah, so I, I write and produce at the at code. So I, I will, I, you know, generally a few articles a week, and but also involved with production on their website and so forth. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been something that um, I've been doing over, doing full time over the last 
nine or so months, um, which was a big step to jump over and do that. I sort of had always, I dabbled writing freelance before that. So that was something different. Um, and that's all good. And also I'm sort of doing a few other little projects on the side as well, which are interesting as well. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's all, it's all going pretty well. And, and, um, you know, getting a chance to talk about the game you love and other sports as well. I actually quite yeah. enjoy well, I, I, exploring other sports. So yeah. I, I read, uh, I read pretty much every article that's on there. Oh. That's in the footy section uh, from everybody yeah. that, that's writing there. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know anything about, most of the other things there, so any it's related to netball. I'm thinking, okay, it's basketball. Where's the backboard? I mean, I'm not going to go to, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I, when you when you come to Australia, Craig, we need to take you to um, some community footy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I absolutely want to do that. Particularly if it's in regional areas where you have the football club and, and the netball club are the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you have you have a football game going on, mm-hmm. and then the netball game's going on next to it. Yeah, and that's the the partners. It'll be the the guy playing the football team's girlfriend will be playing the netball team right, and right. so forth or, you know so that's or the, or, quite or, the, or the you know the parents you know you know mom and yeah. dad are th- this week you know okay this week you're watching netball i'm watching footy and yeah. then we'll switch next yeah. week that kind of thing yeah it's it, it's and it, you'll love it when you come it's out one, it's, you'll it's love one it. of the things that i that i that i appreciate about the game there because you have those community clubs and we really don't have anything like that here in mm. the u.s i mean that's that thing that's the hub around which a lot of those small towns revolve yeah yeah I mean, it, absolutely that club is that club is the is the town it's it's uh yeah. it's absolutely wonderful so well shannon i want to thank you for taking time out of your morning this morning to sit down and chat man i, I love learning about this uh this game back in 1990 and uh i feel sort of a little bit bad for the essendon folks who you know maybe lost their shot at a, at a premiership that year because they had to wait a few weeks to, to play but uh they've won plenty they've won, they've won plenty there you go i feel there sorry for them well because they, they were back then what three years later they won so yeah yeah, they, yeah so yeah they, they regenerated very quickly after that yeah they got over it yeah so they got they they didn't have to they didn't have to rest quite so long so where can people find you on social media before we go then? Last um, thing. I'm, I'm at Shannon Gill 13. So um, yeah, you'll find me on Twitter at Shannon Gill 13. That's, that's probably the best place to find me. Okay. Um, and, and you can also find my stuff on, on code.com.au. Um, code, and yeah, so look up code sports. And if you, if you want to read my stuff, um, you know, you'll, you'll find it all there. Yep, and there was an article from I think, June of last year with a couple of uh, interesting Americans who love this game there, and I can't thank yes. you enough for for you know putting yeah, us out there. Right. Yeah, yes, that was yes. Uh, that was that was awesome that you did that, man. Well, hey, have a fantastic weekend, and the best to you and all your friends and family, and cheers. Thank you so much, Craig. It's been a pleasure to chat. You bet. All right, Shannon, thanks so very much for taking time out of your day to chat, man. I do appreciate it. Again, I can't thank you enough for the uh, the piece that you uh, wrote about me and the uh, the guys from Americans WTF watching the footy back in uh, the winter of last year in Australia for uh, Code Sports. Really, really appreciate it. It was, it was wonderful to be part of that. Now, folks, don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. You can get subscribed to the mailing list there, so when a new episode comes out, you'll have it in your inbox as soon as it's available. If you want to help out the podcast, you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can, well, first and foremost, if you enjoy the show, 
leaving a review over on Apple Podcasts would be absolutely fantastic. It really, really does uh, help to rejigger the system a little bit and get some more uh, opportunities to get the show in front of people's eyes who are looking for footy podcasts uh, through different search engines, that sort of thing. So if you like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. If you want to help support the podcast and keep the lights on, so to speak, uh, you can click on that Buy Me a Coffee button over on my uh, website, yankofthefooty.com. You can also head over to my storefront if you want to pick up a sticker or a t-shirt or something of that nature as well. And if you have an idea for a great guest for the podcast, please drop me a note because I'm always looking for great guests for the show. And remember, at my website, yankofthefooty.com, you'll find everything that you need for the podcast. You can look at old episodes. You can read my blog posts that are over there. If you are wanting to be a guest, you can sign up and register as a guest over there as well. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been a very busy month for me with regards to the podcast, but it hasn't been reflected in the number of episodes that I've released. I've put out maybe five or six episodes since the start of 2023, but I assure you that there are quite a few coming in the very near future. I have 16 of the 18 club preview episodes recorded as of right now. I have to finish editing those. I'm doing the GWS interview this week, and I will be doing the Adelaide interview a little bit later on in early March, I believe, is what we had set up. I'm also doing a series of episodes on why I believe American NFL fans would love the AFL if they discovered it. And I do have, I believe, five or six of those interviews done as well. And those are going to be coming out here very, very soon in the next week or so. I'm going to get the first few of those out because I wanted to get that uh, up and running while the NFL is still fresh in the minds of people here in North America as well as in Australia with the Super Bowl having just been played yesterday. And uh, again, if you happen to be an NFL fan who's not watched a lot of footy, or any footy, and you're listening to this, I do strongly encourage you to check out the game because it is a dynamic, three-dimensional game. It is, it's, it has so many elephants, elephants, it has so many elements of the NFL that I think you would enjoy, and there are so many unique things that you're not going to find in what we call gridiron football. And I really do think you would enjoy it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I do appreciate all of the kind words that you have shared with me. I do appreciate it. Look out for one another. Check up on your friends. Make sure they're all right. Those of you who have sat down for an interview with me, I have not been able to acknowledge you publicly as of yet or to recognize you in that particular episode, but I want to thank you because it has been an absolute labor of love over these last few weeks doing these interviews. Had some great laughs. Most of you have absolutely crushed the uh, trivia questions that we've had, and I cannot wait to bring these episodes to you. So please be on the lookout for those. And again, when your club's episode comes out, I do hope you'll share it with uh, your friends who are supporters of your club or share their club's preview with them if they haven't possibly come across it yet. It's really be a big help to get the podcast growing that way. So folks, as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later.
This has been episode 224 of A Yank on the Footy. Again, don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on over on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com, A Yank on the Footy podcast over on Facebook, A Yank on the Footy on Instagram. You can find me at Craig Wessels on LinkedIn and on Facebook if you want to find me as just an individual over there. You can certainly do that as well. And, of course, at my website, yankonthefooty.com. Thanks for listening. I do hope you'll share the episode with your friends and family. And if you love the show, please leave me a five-star. That would be a huge help. And until next time, everybody, this is Craig Wessels, and goodbye.